Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. What we've been doing every single week is we've been asking uh, just generations to come up and share a little bit. Last week we heard a powerful testimony um, about, you know, the goodness of God regarding um, mortgages and property, or not mortgages, property being sold. And so a couple moved from Stetler, moving into Red Deer, man, that's phenomenal, just to come to this church. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, I encourage you to go back online. You can hear it there. It's powerful. And this morning I'm going to call up Shelby Williams. She's going to come. And for those of you who do know her, she, she's on stage. And what I love about this girl, I mean, she's, she's 17, 16, 16, 17, December 31st. Gotcha. She's 16 going into grade 12, but this girl loves Jesus. And man, especially in the culture generation that we are, I love that she's shining her light. She's being on stage, not scared, throwing her hands up, hands in the sky. And she's just doing it. So Shelby, I'm so grateful for, for you and who you are. And so take it away. You got a few minutes, preach it up. Okay, well, my name, um, okay, cool. Um, so my name is Shelby, if you um, haven't heard. And yeah, Joel asked me to just say some stuff on what God has put um, on my heart and what he's been speaking into my life lately. Um, and it sounds like I'm crying. I'm not. I'm sick, and I'm just like, nerves. But I'm doing great. Pretty faces. It'll be fine. Um but yeah, so um, I'm going into grade 12, so I have one year of school left, and I had it on my heart to talk about the future with you, because I feel like a lot of people often ask a lot of questions, I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to do with my life? Like, what does God want me to do? What's my next step? And because we're always moving forward, it's kind of a constant question. Um, and I had that question coming up a lot in my life, all of last year and the year before last, and a long time. And um, he kind of just kept bringing up, um, like, worship in my heart and a passion and just a need to spread something. And it was, like, this burning fire inside me that I just needed to, like, burst. And I was like, it's so uncomfortable. I just want to, like, get it out. And so, um, yeah, so I started on the worship team, and I grew up singing and, you know, you see me. And then um, I made a different plan for my life. And I was like, okay, so what am I going to do? I'm going to graduate high school. I'm going to go to university, get my nursing degree, deliver some babies, have a well-paying job, get married, maybe have some kids, maybe not. Whatever happens, happens. It's the perfect plan. Um, well, I thought. It was not. So um, about a year ago, um, I started coming up with like, oh, maybe I'll do nursing part-time and I'll like still sing for the worship team and be all like, you know, and um, that also wasn't a very good idea. So um, one day we had a guest speaker come. His name was uh, Jeremy and Sarah Pearsons and they were speaking on the anointing in your life. And I feel very um, anointed to lead people in a different type of way. I don't know exactly what that means. I'm figuring it out. But, um, and after the service, um, I had one of my friends come up to me, Megan Housing, and she sat me down. She's like, so Shelby, I don't know how to tell you this. And I was like, oh boy. And she was like, you're not supposed to go into nursing. You're supposed to go into uh, ministry and worship. And I was like, <laughs> like now, <laughs> like I have a plan. It's a good plan. It's like, I'm gonna, you know, it's a perfect plan. I made it. It's perfect. And um, so I kind of played along with it. But afterwards, I instantly just like dismissed the idea. And I was like, heck no, I'm not doing that. Like, I need people to think that I look good because I'm a type three for personality and success matters to me. And um, yeah, that was, was a really fun ride of emotions. And then it just kind of kept coming on me. And God was like, Shelby, like, you know, you're going to do this eventually anyways. Like, you know you're going to convince yourself, I don't have to do anything. And I was like, well, I know you're right, but I'm still not doing it. Convincing myself that I wasn't going to do it. I was like, no, I'm going, I'm like going to be smart and stuff. And he was like, well, okay, you can think what you want, but eventually, like, it's inevitable. I know what you're going to choose anyways. And I'm still battling with it a little bit, but um, he brought me to a very popular verse. But I kind of just, like, unimpacted it. 
That's a word. I made it a word. It's a word now. Um, and it was Jeremiah 29, 11. And essentially what he told me is he was like, Shelby, like, I know what I'm doing. Can you just trust me? Like, I know that I've called you to something special. I know that you're going to do it. And you just got to like push into me and let go. That word let go. It's very hard for me. Um, and so eventually, um, it's been a process. It's still a process, but I just wanted to encourage you today to just like whatever you're believing God for, um, or whatever you're asking him for of like, what am I supposed to do for my future? Just like press in and know that he knows what he's doing. And that even for me, like I could tell you that I'm terrified of my future because I have no idea what I'm going to do. I know that it's going to be good and it's going to be big and it's going to be good and great. And I have like, I know that I know that I know without a shadow of a doubt that it's going to impact lots of people and it might have to do with ministry. It might have to do with worship or like missions or something like that. What it is particularly, I don't know, but I'm not supposed to know yet. I'm just supposed to grow in my faith and push deeper. And so I encourage that for you too, to just keep pushing. Even if it looks like you don't have any results, you do because you're changing your attitude towards it. And then you can, you know, leap over. So <laughs> that's all I wanted to Good share with you today. Me. But awesome, yeah. girl. Thank you. Good job, girl. Yeah, you can sit down now. Man, that's awesome, Shelby. Thank you. And for those that don't know, Shelby is the daughter of Teresa. Terry. <laughs> now I got to say it. Her real name is Teresa. I just found this out. I've been calling her Terry all my life. Well, as long as I've known her. And all of a sudden she goes, oh, Teresa. Because I, like, I, the way I, I got to, I got to open up a can of worms. Her name is Teresa. You can ask her about it. <clears throat> But Shelby, we love you. Thanks for sharing on that. And man, we're going to actually touch a little bit on what Shelby talked about this morning. So hey, you go. Um, so if you got your Bibles, I want you to go to Micah chapter 6 for a moment. And aren't you thankful for the Word this morning? Man, I'm so grateful for the Word. How many are here to hear from God this morning? All right, four of us. The rest of you, how about you? What do you hear? Because I'm, you didn't come to hear me preach, because I'll tell you this, you will be sadly disappointed. But if you come to hear from God... You will get exactly what you're looking for this morning. I believe that with all my heart. God is good and he has a word for you, but you have to open up your heart to it. Got to be receptive to what he's got, what he wants to say. And that's why we put such an emphasis on the word because the word is God speaking to us. Now, just a quick question before we jump into it. How many of you have made the decision that the Bible is your final authority? All right, come on, hold it up in the air. This is my final authority. All right, if you don't, hands not up in the air yet, well, it'll get there. We, we got to keep working. Keep coming back. We'll keep working on it because there has to be a truth that you and I live and base our life on. So what is it for us? A lot of times people go on how they feel. They go on what's going on out in the economy or going out in the world or in the job. There's got to be a solid foundation that we build and live our life on. If not, you got wishy-washy people all over the place. You can see it in the world. One day they're up. One day they're down. One day they're turned around, have no idea what's going on. It's because they don't have a final authority that they live off of. So for you and I, as believers, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the... All right, yeah, there you go. Oh, you keep going. The B-I-B-L-E, that spells Bible. This is what we do. This is who we are. And it's God speaking to us. So if we want to know what God is saying to us, where do we go? We go to the Word. This is God's access to you, but it's also your access to Him. If we find out what He says in His Word, then we can hold, to, hold Him to what He said, because He said He'd watch over His Word to perform it. And I'm so grateful for Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today. Everybody say, today, today, today. The same God that you see here is the same God today. And tomorrow morning when you wake up, guess what? He's going to be the exact same. He doesn't need to change because he is perfect. He's perfect. He knows exactly. Even though culture's changing, he does not change because he is perfect. Awesome. Because you know, the song says, you are perfect in all of... No, the Bible says he's perfect, but the song says it too. So you got Micah chapter 6. And before we go in there, I need to take just a few minutes just to reiterate a few things that we talked about last week. Because I'm going to go a little bit further into this, talking about being Jesus people. Anybody want to be a Jesus person? 
Man, that's what I want in my life. I want people, when they come in, in contact with me, that they see or experience Jesus to some degree. That's, that's my goal in life. I want to know this man. And as we talked about, you know, a little bit last week, is that the, I believe that we're coming to a point where just surface Christianity ain't going to be good enough. Never was good enough, but we're coming to a place that we're finally realizing, man, I actually, life sucks without him. We got all this stuff, and I mentioned this a little while ago, this, this article or this uh, YouTube clip that I saw, and it's actually funny. Everything is awesome, and people are still miserable. Right? We don't know how to be thankful. We don't realize, man, life without Him is no good. You can dress it up. You can do a bunch of different things, but ultimately, without Jesus in your life, actively, not just a Sunday gig, but actively involved in your life, that's where the joy is. The joy is in knowing who He is. So we talked a lot about knowing Him last week. And I tell you this, this is, as a church family, this is our biggest desire, is to know Him. And in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, you don't have to turn, I got it on the screen. You're at Micah, you stay at Micah 6. Daniel eleven thirty-two. 32, near the end of it, it says, the people who know their God, what will they be? They'll be strong, and what are they going to do? Carry out great exploits. So how do we do great things for God? What's the answer to that? Knowing Him. You can't, sh- you can't do this any other way. Performing the miraculous, doing amazing things for God. Because now that Jesus has died on the cross, He rose again. Now the gifts are available, man. All, everything that pertains to life and godliness now belongs to you and I. How do we see all these things take place? It's knowing Him. Not just knowing about Him, but it's intimately knowing who He is. And that word know, you can look it up throughout the Bible. A lot of times you see that word know in connection of knowing God. It means intimacy. The same way that Adam knew his wife Eve in Genesis 4.1, it says Adam knew his wife and they became pregnant. The same know is in here that you can become intimate with God. Man, I think that just, that gets me excited. I can know God. I can know who He is. I cannot just know what He's like. I can know His ways. And He's interested in you and I knowing who He is because He's totally exposed Himself to us if you want Him. Now, this is the crazy thing that I've realized in spending time with this is that God wants a relationship with everyone. He wants a deep, intimate relationship with everyone. But here's the amazing thing. It's up to you how deep you want to go. Isn't that wild to think? Because imagine, think about it. If God had the perfect relationship with you, you'd be led in every decision. You would know the word inside and out. You'd be talking with him on a daily basis. This is what God would want. This is how he's communicating. But how come we're not seeing that? It's because people's hunger level is not quite there yet. So we talked about on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being not really passionate about Jesus, 10 being I want this man. Where are you on that list? And regardless of where you are, did you know that there's another level for you yet? I know I've experienced some wonderful things in my life with Jesus, but I'm not satisfied with that. I'm grateful for it, but man, I want the next because there's so much more of him. Let me encourage you. Even when coming to church, it kind of become familiar. Oh yeah, I do this as we do worship, we do this. There comes times where you get so involved in it that you can actually go to another level in your time with him, even just here. Is that, do you think that's possible? So what do you think that is? It's just me opening up my heart more, me yielding myself and cooperating with him a little bit more because I want him. It's just, I'm hungry. Exactly. I'm hungry for him. I want this man, Jesus. And I know some things are turning inside of me because before I can see it take place on the outside, this has been my prayer. Lord, let there be a fire for you inside of me. Rather than just saying, okay, I want it in this church. And I've prayed that for a while, but I've been saying, Lord, no, I want it in me. Because when it takes place on the inside of you, it'll change everything on the outside and people will be affected by it because they want what you got. It's real. It's genuine. It's alive. I, got, I know there's some passionate people in this room. I, I, I see you. I know who you is. God know who you is. And there's so much more yet. And that's what I want to get into. You know, the Living Bible in Daniel eleven thirty two it says, The people who know their God shall be strong and do great things. They'll do great things. Don't have to pray for great things. You'll just do great things. Man, I think that's wonderful. And as like last week, know, know your God. In the English dictionary, it says the word know means to have developed a relationship with someone through meeting and spending quality time with them. So how do we get to know God? It's by spending time with him. It's not some secret. You see some people, there's men and women of God that I look at and I go, man, I, I love the relationship you have with the Lord. How did you get that? What did, what did you do? Want to hear the answer? They spent time with him. That's it. Listen, I've, I've met with people that I consider to be heroes in the faith for me. 
And I've talked with them. I've sat across the table, had lunches with them, dinners with them. And these are the questions. I come with a lot of questions. Now, here's the cool thing. Whenever you're sitting with somebody that may know more than you, shut up. Ask questions and listen. It's very vital. Anybody ever figure that out? I would just sit, okay, man. So I said, how do you get into that relationship? What, what did you do? What was your, what's your routine like? I'm just curious to hear what everybody's like. And ultimately, the bottom line is, is they spend quality time with him. Oh, oh, there's the answer, right? We all know it, but how come not everybody's doing it? Because it requires effort on your part. All right, so once you've uh, spent time with him, secondly, you start to recognize him. It becomes progressive. And I start to recognize him. Now, people, sadly, the body of Christ, they do not recognize God even at movement. They're looking at the world, and they're watching CNN, and they're watching all these news things and going, man, the world's going in chaos. But do you see, can you recognize what God's doing? Well, no, what's he doing? If you don't spend time with him, you don't even recognize him. So we have, as a church, in order for us to impact generations for Jesus the way that God has told us to, it requires us being intimately connected with this man, Jesus. And how do we stay? We stay with him in his word. We recognize him. And then thirdly, right after that, another definition says to have personal experience with. A lot of times people are looking for the experience with God, but that's not the best way to know him. Come on, somebody. That's not the best way to know him. It's just through experience. What's the best way? It's through spending time with him. When I recognize him, out of me knowing him, now I experience him. Now it becomes not just an experience I had. Now it becomes intimate knowing and intimate revelation of who he really is. A lot of times people are praying for experiences. That's why God's not even just coming down and just whooshing all over the place. Because right? you could be, oh, this is amazing. And then tomorrow morning, no feeling. Oh, what's going on? You wouldn't need faith then. So that's why he said we got to get to know him through his word. So it's residing on the inside of us that we know, we know, we know him. Amen? Okay. So real briefly again, the purpose of our salvation, John three sixteen. Turn there real quickly, please. I know you could quote this, but it's good to put your eyes on it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Faith doesn't come by having heard it last week. We got to hear it on a regular, continual basis. This is what Jesus said. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. So the question is, what is the purpose of salvation? Anybody answer that for me? What is the purpose of salvation? Eternal life. What is eternal life? People say, oh, I live forever. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very small part of it. Every human on this planet is going to live forever. Depends on where you're going to be. You're going to be in heaven with the Lord or you're going to be in hell. That's the choice that you make on this earth. And it's a, the question is, what do you do with Jesus? So what does it mean to have eternal life? Eternal life doesn't just mean how long you live. It means in the quality of life that you live here now. John 17, 3. Look at this in the Passion Bible. Ready? All right. Eternal life means right here's the jesus definition of eternal life it means to know and experience you as the only true god right john 17 is jesus's prayer before he goes to the cross he said this is what eternal life is is to know you and experience you as the only true god and to know and experience jesus christ as the son whom you have sent so what is jesus's what is what was the father's purpose for you and i to be saved to know him. That's the whole purpose. The whole purpose isn't for you to go come up to an altar call and say, yeah, Jesus, I want you in my life and go live out your days however you want to live them. He came so that you can know him. And when you intimately know him, you start to experience him and you start to see him play out every moment of every day of your life. This is walking with him. This is what I'm talking about. This is, this gets me excited. I don't know more than any subject that the, you know, that we can look at through the Bible. It's walking with God that just gets me going every single time. You look at through the Old Testament. Enoch walked with God. He walked with him. Abraham, man, he walked with God. He was called a friend of God. Moses looked at the Lord's face as a man looks at his friend. He got to see this. This is the God that's available. And here's the thing, that's Old Testament stuff. We now live in the New Testament where God's not just around us, He's on the inside of us. He can dwell there now. How? Because Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for you and I now to now walk intimately with Him. So the question is, do you know Him? 
Man, get to become familiar. He's right here. You don't have to look for something out here. He's on the inside, revealing on the inside of you now who you are and who he is to you. Now, just before we jump into this, I want you to look at Galatians for a sec. Before Paul, and we all know Paul, right? The Apostle Paul, he wrote half the New Testament, more than that. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, I want you to see before he went into ministry, before he did any kind of apostolic work, I want you to see what he says in verse 15. But he says, even before I was born, I love that, before I was even born. Say that with me, before I was even born. (laughs) God chose me. When before I was even born. God chose me and he called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him, verse 16, to reveal his son to me. Now, if you, that's the, the actual Greek in there, verse 16. It means that he actually said, he, the father, it pleased him to reveal his son in me. Paul said, it, it pleased the father to reveal Jesus in me. Why? So that I could, so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Before you can go out and be effective in any kind of area, Daniel eleven thirty two, those that know God will do great exploits, he's got to be revealed on the inside of you. You will not figure out Jesus through natural means. Jesus is not a natural being now. This word that you have in your lap is not a natural book. This book doesn't talk to you regarding your natural circumstances that you have. This book doesn't even talk to you regarding the experiences you may be having. This book talks to you spirit-to-spirit communication. It tells you that it's a mirror. So when you spend time looking at this mirror, it's revealing spiritual truth. So when it says, by his stripes, you are healed. It's not asking you physically what you think. It doesn't care what the natural says. It's telling you Jesus paid a price and by his stripes you are healed. That's the spiritual mirror that's being revealed to you. And so you got to just go, that's who I am. Christianity is lived from the inside out, not the outside in. So when this word talks to me, it's talking to me from the inside out. That's how I live my life is this way outwards. Woo, it gets exciting. This changes it because when you start living the outside in, well... But I'm, I don't feel healed. I don't look blessed. I don't look, I don't have peace. My family's nuts. How can I live in peace? It's not talking about external things. Jesus said, the peace that I give you, the world can't take it away. It's what I give you. What is it? It's from the inside and it comes from his word. Oh man, I'm, I, you got me preaching now. I'm just, go to Second Peter chapter one. I'm just, I'm just going here for a moment. We'll get back to the message in a bit. This is just a timeout. So like the clock stands still for a sec. All right, y'all. 2 Peter chapter 1. Oh man, Jesus is amazing. He said this in verse 2. Now this is the Holy Spirit writing to the church. And he says, may God give you more and more. It would say more and more, more and more. This is who our God is. More and more. He ain't stingy on anything. More and more and more and more and more. I'm waiting. Join us in until you get it. And more and more and more. Okay, God, that's too much. And more and more. That's who he is. Now, may God give you more and more grace and peace. As you grow in your knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is this more and more dependent on? You and I knowing him. Is it? I, want, I need more grace. I want more peace in my life. The answer is not in trying to figure out how I can get it more out here. It's knowing who he is more. And then it doesn't stop there. Verse 3. 2 got good. Wait till 3. By his divine power, by God's goodness, by his grace and his divine power... God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. Can I read it to you from the Passion Bible? I think I have that here. 2 Peter verse 3, 1 verse 3. This is the Passion Bible. It says, Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us. Say, in me. Everything you need is already in you. How? By His divine power. 
So he already put it in there. You don't got to work for it. All you need to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the moment you've done that, he has deposited everything that pertains to life and godliness is now in you. It's there. I need joy. It's there. Oh, I just need answers. It's there. <laughs> then he goes on. For all of this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. Man, oh man. Well, that's delicious, isn't it? Okay, let's get back to Micah. <laughs> All right, thank you. My wife keeps me on track. Micah. So you're in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, and this is just a question that I want to throw. So how do I now walk with him? Okay, I know I'm going to be spending time with his word. I'm going to be digging into his word. But how do I know him? And what I want to share with you this morning it's just some things the Lord has been doing in my life a little bit too. And this could also tag on as a Christian killer. It's a series that we did last month. And I want to just spend some time talking about this in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. A very familiar verse of scripture. I'm sure you've heard it. But I want to take some time and just lay it out for us this morning. And this is basically, you hear, if you read the whole chapter in context, it's the Lord has a complaint against his people. And as we know, the Israelites, they were good at complaining. Right? And so the Israelites said, well, okay, this is what God said. Don't you remember when I took you out of... And God always says, don't you remember when I did this? He's always referring them, do you remember what I did here? That's a big problem for sometimes for people. They get stuck in their ways and can't see anything. Do you remember what he did for you? And he's always trying to remember my goodness, remember what I did, remember how I led you out of Egypt, remember how I took you out of the world. And he's laying all this out and he's presenting it before the people. And the people say, well... Okay, well, what can we do? Can we sacrifice to you? Should I get a bunch of olive oil as much as rivers and pour it out before God? And it even says, should I sacrifice my firstborn even, God? They are desperate people trying to figure out, okay, what do I do now? Because I, I'm sorry and I, I did all these wrong things. How, we're sorry we're not walking with you. What, what can we present? God's like, I, I don't want any of that. What do I want? He said, now, oh people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. This morning, I want to talk about to do what is right. Can we say that together? To do what is right. Now, this may seem so simple, but I want to just spend some time in this a little bit. Do what is right. When I do what is right, it's me, in essence, walking with him. Because God is only right. He only does things that are right. If you actually read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter that we know about, and it says, love does not rejoice when there's wrong. But when does love throw a party? Whenever truth and right is done. Right? It gets excited about that. So if I want to walk with God, I got to do what love or what God celebrates. God celebrates truth. He celebrates what is right. Okay, are we okay talking about this this morning? This is key to walking with God. It may seem so natural, but it's all, this is how we walk with Him because we are in this earth. Right? So we want to do what is right. So I want to just bring you back to the King David. We're going to talk about him for a little bit this morning. And in Psalm chapter 57, verse 2, what I want to share with you is that this is the life of David concerning God's purpose for his life. Now, kind of what Shelby was just mentioning, we got a purpose in life. God's got a call and a place for you. Now, David here, he just says these words, and this is something that the Lord's been just helping me with in my own personal life, and I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later. I want to talk about you for a little bit. <laughs> and then we'll talk about me. But this is, the, this is King David, and I know this. He believed this with all of his heart. Now, I know if you can get this, I believe when the Holy Spirit downloads this on the inside of you, it'll change the way you live your life. Psalm 57, verse 2, this was the cry of David's heart. And he said this, he wrote this, this uh, psalm when he was hiding in the caves from Saul, right? So Psalm 57, verse 2, it reads like this. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. I'm going to read it again. I want you to hear this. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. Now the temptation that I've been finding myself recently is, is I'm trying to fulfill God's purpose for me. But he's saying here that I'm crying out to the God who will fulfill his purpose in me. It's a bit of a switch. And this is something that, I mean, I'm going to jump a little ahead here. But if I try to fulfill the purpose, then I'm responsible for it. And I'm not capable of doing that. 
But if I give it to God, the God who will fulfill his purpose for me, he will make sure that it comes to pass regardless of what happens out here. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't strategize. It doesn't mean that I don't plan. It doesn't mean that I just take her easy and lay back. Okay, God, you fulfill your purpose for me. No, I'm actively involved in searching him. I'm actively involved in walking with him. And as I walk with him, he will make clear the steps. I'll just quickly jump ahead because for myself personally, I have always been, okay, this is where I'm at. Here I am today, and I'm always trying to get around to that corner, and I'm trying to get there as quick as I possibly can. Anybody else ever try to do that? You may be a man or woman of God. You've got vision. You've seen what the Lord wants from you. You've seen what the Lord has called you to. And I've always been trying to, okay, here I am, but I, I just, I just got to get there. If I can just get there, then I've made it. And once I've made it, dun, 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 then I'll be happy. And I, what I've done is I've totally forgotten about the process and I've tried to leave it, and I try to get to the end result. And it says to do what is right. So in other words, what I want to show and talk about this morning, and I'm going to show you the next verse here. First Samuel chapter 24. Turn there with me. <laughs> if God is the one who will fulfill his purpose, that means I don't. Right? Simple. Okay? <clears throat> now, if and this is just a... I put this note in for myself just to remind myself. But if you are unsure of what your purpose in life is, I can't tell you what your purpose or your destiny in life is, but I can tell you where it begins. It begins in serving. You've got to start somewhere. You look at King David's life in Psalm 78, verse 70. God chose, it says this, actually, just before, I want to read it to you real quick. Because a lot of times people are wondering what my purpose in life, what's, what's God called me to? If there's no serving, he's not able to get to you. Serving is like the, the very foundation for how did God get you moving. In Psalm 78, verse 70, I want you to notice this. It says, God, he chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep. He took David from tending the ooze and lambs and made them the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people, Israel. He cared for them with a true heart and he led them with skillful hands. But where does he say he chose his servant David. That's where it all begins is servanthood. You don't get to where you're going without serving. That's where it all begins. Right? Okay. I'm glad three people are excited. Okay. Well, that's, that's honestly the biggest question I have. What has God called me to do? Are you serving? Oh, no. Okay. Well, I, I can't tell you. He's got to, you got to give him something to work with. Because <laughs> what is the process between the promise and the reality is I do what is right. Remember, we're talking about walking with him. So I want to live my life. I want to do what is right. So what do I do if I'm here now and I want to get there? I'm going to do what is right right here. And I'm going to show you this. First Samuel chapter 2, or sorry, 24, verse 1 through 7. And what I want to talk about the rest of it is I don't cut corners. Can we say that together? I don't cut corners. I won't cut them. I'm going to do what is right. I don't cut corners. Are you guys ready? I don't. Okay, I'm just making sure because this gets pretty heavy here in a sec. Verse 24, verse 1. It says, After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of wild goats. Now, Saul's a bit crazy. Hey, you just wiped out a bunch of Philistines, and right afterwards, okay, I need some more men. Let's go find this David. Like, there's, just chill, man. You just, you killed a bunch of guys. Chill out. You can't. Now, verse 3, you ready? <laughs> so Saul, or at that place where the road passes some sheepfolds. Now, church, you ready? <laughs> Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. <laughs> what does that mean? People of God, he relieved himself. <laughs> but as it would happen, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now, I got thoughts rolling around in my head right now. There's things that I want to say, but I can't say. Shouldn't say. <laughs> She's saying don't. Holy Spirit, what would you like me to say? Yeah. <laughs> They're further back, and I want you just—I want you to get the picture of this, not Saul necessarily, just what's happening. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Saul, 
he left his troops. I'm sure he left his royal guards to go and relieve himself. So I want you just to see this is what Saul's doing in a cave. Now look where he's at. Look how vulnerable he is. Nobody's around him. Now this guy has been trying to hunt David for years at this point. Trying to kill David because David, well, God anointed David to be king. And David knew he was going to be the new king. And now here is this king relieving himself. And further back in the cave is David and his mighty men. <laughs> yeah, if David had Instagram, and he'd Instagram that story all day long and just go... Look at your king now. Actually, he wouldn't. David's too man of character. He wouldn't do that. But he, he <laughs> check out the king. Hashtag relieved. <laughs> okay. David and his men were far. Okay, verse four. Leave verse three. We got to get out of there. Leave verse three. <laughs> now, but no one notice this. Let's just read the story, and I guess I'll, I'll come back to it. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you. I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do as you wish. So David crept forward, and what did he do? He cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Cut it off. Now verse 5. But then David's conscience began bothering him. He had cut Saul's robe. Verse, go on, verse 6. It says, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. And then it goes on. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. I won't read the rest of that because you you can continue on reading it. David showed eventually, hey, Saul, look what I got. But here's the thing about us, church. We can't cut corners. We do what is right. Even though it costs you, even though you got to wait a little bit longer, I refuse to want to go somewhere further without God directing it. I don't cut corners. Say it with me. I don't cut corners. Why? Because I want to walk with him. This is not what I do. This is not who I am. Go back to verse, I think it's verse 5 there for a sec. Or verse 6, sorry. No, sorry, verse 4. Go back to verse 4. And I want you to see here, though, but look, look at his mighty men came up to him. Hey, David, now's your chance. Like, it sounds true. The first part of it, today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power. Did God say that to David? Yeah. At one point he did say, I'm going to give this kingdom over to you and you'll have the power. But notice the next part of it, to do with as you wish. God never said that to David. He never said how that was going to take place. So there's some things you can listen to, you know, even the news that you hear, you only hear a partial truth, right? You hear something, yeah, it sounds true, uh, but there's something a little bit more fishy beyond that, right? So they're encouraging him, come on, man, now's your chance. And these aren't like wimpy guys. These are, they're called his mighty men. David taught these guys how to fight. He taught them how to, you know, do all these macho manly things. And here they're in a cave. And for David to go, man, hold on, don't kill him. Like, that's a big job. These guys were on David's side, ready to kill. They've been hunted down just like David. So to calm everybody down, something's not right with it. Not God's called me to be king, yes, but not this way. Not this way. David, you're going to be king. Yeah, that's true, but not like this. That's what I want for you and I, to walk with God. Yeah, God will give you that promotion. Yeah, God's going to be doing this. But at the expense of me walking all over my integrity... For me, expensive walking on who I actually am, what the Word says that I am in Christ. Not this way. I'll take that promotion, but not like this. I refuse to do it. I'll make that money. Oh, man, I'll make a lot of money, but not like this. <laughs> man, that's vital for us to know. Man, oh, man, let me just give you a couple examples in this. <laughs> There's something more important than where you started and where you're going, and it's how you get there. I do not want a promotion that God doesn't give me. I do not want a relationship that God doesn't give me. For you single folk out there, you don't want a spouse that God doesn't give you. (laughs) Can I just just throw something out here? I'm going to throw my youth pastor hat for a sec. Single folk, you know, before you get all excited and you get into this love relationship and before you start naming your kids when you go out to Peter's driving over a milkshake, 
Before you do all these types of things, you got to make it very clear. And you, yeah, hey, girl, hey, guy, you are really cute. I like the way you look. You got nice arms. You got nice muscles. I think this could go somewhere, but you need to make it very clear. I don't cut corners. I do things God's way. No, no, no. We're not doing that. I've done that before. And how did that turn out? You know, fail relationship after fail relationship. We do things God's way. So you got to lay that out beforehand. It'll save you big time problems. <laughs> okay. Glad we're on the same boat on that. All the parents I thought would go, amen, amen. That's who we are. No hanky panky. <laughs> you keep your hanky in your pocket. All right. <laughs> Now, regarding just money, this is just some things the Lord's been telling me. It's not how much I have, how much money I have that's important. It's how did I get it? What do you do? You could work your butt off. You could work, 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 work all day. And what are you doing? You could actually put down your kids. I don't got time for family. I don't got time for this. I got to focus on work. You may achieve what you wanted, but what's it costing you? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? I don't cut corners. I want to do things God's way. Because does God want to promote you? Absolutely he does. But he wants to do it his way. <laughs> right? Does God want to give you that perfect relationship? That per Absolutely he does. He's got somebody for you. But I want to do it God's way. Because listen, you have a wrong relationship. You've got a wrong thing going on. It will wreck your life. I don't cut corners. So what do I do even in the process? And I'm jumping ahead of myself. But in the process, I surrender to it. I'm going to hold myself. This is one thing the Lord's been telling me. I see where I want to go. I see the vision. I see what God wants to do. But I got to stop. I have got to be matured. I got to be strong in the process that I'm in right now. It kind of, for honestly, how it feels, it feels like I'm pastoring two churches. The one that I have and the one that I see. What do I do? I want to get to the one that I see. And what am I doing? I'm trying to self-promote it. I'm trying to self-run it. And God's been, stop, stop here. Stay. Good boy. Good boy. That's where I need to be. Here. And know what I do? I got to surrender to the process. I don't cut corners. No, just I want to show you the example from the life of Jesus. Je Matthew chapter 26. Jesus never cut corners. He never cut them. And I want you to go look at Matthew 26, and I want to just show you a few verses. And this is just before Jesus is going to be hung on the cross. And he's now in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's, about, he's praying to the Father. And he's saying, he went a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Go on to the next one. I think it's verse 42. And again, he went to see his disciples. They were sleeping. Jesus goes back to pray. Jesus left a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. What does he want? I want God's will, God's way. And keep going on. Now we'll see this, what happens. <laughs> so right afterwards, Judas comes. going to betray Jesus. Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. You guys can click. There you go. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. <laughs> Do I got first? Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. So you can see the disciples. The disciples yelling at Jesus. No way. You're not going to go this way. No way. You're not going that way. You're God. You're, you're going to set up and establish your kingdom. Put away that sword. I don't cut corners. Jesus had actually said, I could, he even said, he told everybody there, I could call down the legions of heaven, the legions of angels from heaven, and what would they do? They would wipe out in that radius, I think it was 150 square miles, that he would send 122,000 angels, they would come and wipe out everybody in that area. Just like that. How? By just calling, because he would have been right in doing so. But what is his focus? I want God's will, God's way. 
So some of you, I want God's will, God's way, does not mean that it's all going to be hunky-dory. and Oh, yeah, I'm going to just frolic into the next thing. No, it's going to require maybe some time where you are in this place, you are in the process of it, and it ain't going to feel always that good. But honor the process. Stick with it. I'm just, I'm preaching to me, so I'm just yelling it at you, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking it to me because this is how God works. Okay, glad we're all on the same page here. And I'll give you a good example for me, for myself. You know, Jamie and I, we were in a meeting um, a couple of, this was a few years ago. We were at a minister's conference. And um, I was sitting in this meeting. There's probably about 1,200 people there. It was, it was an awesome, fantastic meeting. And I'm sitting there, and I just had some things brewing in my heart. And I knew there was a gentleman that was there. And I heard the Lord say, you will be connected to them. And I kind of thought, giddy up. So what did I, at that moment, and this is, you know, me being awkward and doing my thing, is I went up and I tried to make it happen. Hey, man, I'm just, I, I didn't, I mean, you got weird Christians, I'm not like that. Where you name drop and you do all these things and you lay out what you got and what you are, there's none of that. I just went up there, I introduced myself and I just, you know, told them some really just great things. Like, man, thank you so much for your ministry, your word, it's been impacting my life. Personally, Jamie and I are married, we're just, we're so thankful for it. And uh, he's just, yeah, thanks, man. That's, that's good. And we had a quick little visit. And it was a few minutes. Nothing came out of it. I left, and I had the Lord check me on the inside and just said, what are you doing? Why? Wow. Uh, you said that I was going to... I thought we were going to hook up. I, how, how, I thought, how is this going to work? My way. I just heard that so strongly. And first of all, what are you doing? I'm just introducing myself because we're going to be friends. <laughs> but no, yeah. And man, the Lord got on me, and then right afterwards, just no, my way. So that was, I think, 2011. I think 2013. I got a call from this guy out of the blue, saying, "Hey, I was I was told by some mutual friends that we're supposed to be friends." Oh, okay. Uh, hi, I'm Joel. Yeah, you already said that. Oh, uh, yeah. What's your favorite color? I, was, I didn't know what else to say. Because this is a guy that I respect. This is a guy that I, I, I place honor and value in speaking into my life. And so when that happened, the Lord just showed me, and he made it work together. And now it is a fantastic relationship. Not based because if I were trying to make it, I would try being doing this. And what could have happened? I could have pushed it further away because I would have been a turnoff. I needed the Lord to be involved in this. I want God's will, God's way. See, a lot of times we know God's will, and then you try to make it happen. Stop it! It says, Psalm 57, verse 2, I cry out to God, the Most High, to God who will perform His will for me. He will carry it out as long as I walk with Him, and part of walking with Him is doing what's right. I don't cut corners. Why is David now a king of Israel? Because he refused to cut the corners. Man, the moment he cut Saul's, I mean, he, he cut off a piece of his corn. And what happened to him, his conscience came up and just, something's wrong. So that just tells me, walking with God, pay attention to your conscience. What is your conscience? The conscience is the voice of your spirit. It's your spirit communicating to you. Again, there's been times, I remember when I was youth pastor, we took a group of kids, we went and did some um, paintballing. <laughs> and man, they're, they're, so it was great, we had a good time. And right near the end, you know, there's always a couple of those kids. You know, there's, there's always those kids. <laughs> They're there. And uh, right here, so the game is all done. The ref blew the whistle, gave everybody back in. They decided, two of them, they decided to come at me and just blast me with their paintballs. Oh, I'm going to cut that corner so good. I'm going to... I, I didn't say nothing. I, I just took the beating. I walked away. And then I had another parent that was there and just said something like, what was that? I'm like, oh, they're just being stupid. And as we were driving back, I had the Lord impress on me. Is that true? Your kids that are part of your youth group, that you're shepherding, that you're speaking into in their lives? Oh, man. As I was driving home, I had to pull over because the guy, the guy that I said it to was in the car behind me. Stop. Pull over. Pull. What, what's What's wrong? I had to repent to him to say, I'm, I'm so sorry. What I said to you about those kids, I said they were stupid. I said, I repent on that. They are not. They are children of God, and I'm sorry. That's not who it is. 
Well, what happened to me? My conscience was lifted. You have to live by what you feel and sense on the inside. If he tells you to stop and say something, say something. This walking with him. It's being sensitive to him. But here's the thing. If I could have just left it and go, oh, he knows what I mean. It, it really hurt because I had, I had bruises the next day. He knows, he knows. It's not about what he knows. It's about my conscience being clear. That's what I want. I don't cut corners. I didn't get to this place by cutting corners and I'm not going to start now. Come on, some of you. This is, this is vital information. Well, I've got to pay attention to this. And all of a sudden, somebody drops 50 bucks. Oh, the blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich and he adds no sorrow. Thank you. And all of a sudden, your conscience is going, no, they, they probably need that. Give it back. Oh, no, they, they dropped it, obviously. If they needed it, they put it in a more secure place, right? Right, right, Lord? And you just walk away with it. You don't even realize, but your conscience is being seared. Walking with him, it is so sensitive. Not that God is sensitive, but what is to walk with Him, to get His results, to see Him walking in my life, it requires sensitivity. You see in the New Testament, very seldom did you see Jesus that angry. There's a, times, there's a few times that He got angry, but there's one time in particular that He was just livid. The Bible, you look in the Greek, it says that He was like burning eyes, livid. Now to make God angry is like trying to make it Care Bear angry. How do you do that? What happened to these guys? This is the guy that had a, the withered hand. Right? You look at it, Mark chapter, I think Mark chapter 1 or 2. And Jesus was there and he said, well, is it good to do, to do right on the Sabbath or to take away life? What, what is it best to do? And all the religious people in that room, they sat there, didn't say a word. Jesus looked at them angry because of the hardness of their heart. The hardness of heart. And man, you, to make God that angry? I ain't doing that. You can do whatever you want to do, but I ain't doing that. I want to walk with him, so I'm going to do what is right. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. I don't think I have that on the screen, but if write this down. It's a man's conscience is the Lord's searchlight exposing his hidden motives. God is going to direct you. God is going to speak to you through your spirit man. God is a spirit you are a spirit. So keep this thing sensitive. This is how you get direction. The same voice that I hear on what to preach on is the same voice that will say to me, turn left, there's a sail here. It's the same voice. The same voice that I hear, I want you to go this direction for, for church. And I, this is the vision that I'm casting before. The same voice that I hear for that is the same voice that it says, I want you to apologize to your son for talking that way. It's the same voice. But I have, to be, I have to be open to it. Oh, God just wants to talk to me about the big stuff. Ah, that's not my experience. God's been talking to me about the little stuff. And right now, in the process that I'm in, it's a bunch of little stuff. Lord, I want to talk about the big stuff. Little stuff is what I'm working on. Why? Because he, he wants you to get the promotion. But not that way. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so now, since I don't cut corners, what do I do then? And I already said this, number one, is I honor the process by doing what's right. What's in your hand to do right at this moment? What's he asked you to do? Has he asked you to take just 20 minutes a day to spend time in prayer? Then do it. Don't expect to go to the next level until I fulfill what he's called me to do here. This again kind of ties in with one of the Christian killers we talked about, is don't regard or disregard small things. The Lord enjoys and takes pleasure in seeing things just getting started. Honor the process. If I honor the process, that God will honor me. If I don't honor the process, God can't honor me. And I want honored by God. So, just a quick remember here, I'm going to throw this in. It's not just important that I get to the top, it's how I get there. How do I get there means all the difference. So in the process, how I'm going to do, I'm going to position myself in surrender and allow God to work in me. So from the place that I'm in right now, this is where I want to go. I am, Lord, I'm here. Like, listen, this is something that honestly is very frustrating for me. And I, I'm thankful that I have a very gracious wife that works with me. Because I'll tell her things that I see and that I want to be doing. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I, I, I feel stuck. Like, but I can't move. I can't do anything. I'm here. And a lot of times she'll just have to, you know, calm me down, sing a nice song to me. Jamie loves Joel this. Just relax. 
calm down. And then she starts talking to me. No, but you're here now. I don't know how many times she said that to me. Yeah, but you're here. There's a sign in our living room that says, be here now. I'm going to take it down. <laughs> but it's so crucial because what I'm doing is I'm here. I'll just throw, I'm using my faith for future, not for now. And faith is meant for the now. Faith is not a future tool that you and I have. It says now faith is the subject of things hoped for, the, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is now, not future tense. Yeah, I'll need it for that, but I need to be using it here and now. So I'm going to surrender. The same way that you see the disciples chopping off G, uh, you know, those Caiaphas' ears. And what did Jesus do? No, not like this. I want God's will, God's way. This is his way. This is what he wants to do in my life. So I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be patiently enduring as I go through this. And then the second thing, this is very simple, is I'm going to do what is right. No more shortcuts. So James 4.17, this is the last verse I want to mention. <clears throat> so if you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, yet you refrain from doing it, you're guilty of sin. If you know what you need to be doing is right, whoa, if you know of an opportunity, if you know what needs to be done, yet you refrain from doing it, and actually other translations say, to him, it is sin. Now you can't make a doctrine on that because to me, it'll look a little bit different than it made to you. Depends on how God is leading you and where he's pursuing you. But we all have the same moral compass. I want to do things God's way. I want to get to that level, but how am I going to do it? Not by cutting this. You know what another big one is? I'm finding too, even on Facebook. Anybody enjoy a good argument on Facebook? Anybody ever read the comments on Facebook? <laughs> it's kind of, kind of fun to see. But you know, I had, there was one time, there was, there was a couple of people arguing with me about some, something. And they, and they were so wrong. It wasn't even funny. And how do I know I was right? Because I had the word to back it up. And so, because I, I, one time I was doing a lot of different stuff in colleges. I was, you know, speaking at different connect groups and life groups that they had going on in the uh, Red Deer College. So I went there and did some of those things. And this girl, man, just kept harassing and talking to me on Facebook about something that I said four hours ago at this meeting. So here's what I would do. You ready? Because I'm good with words. I can, I can put something together that can just stick it to you. Like I, I know how to do that. So I would write out my response. And you know, just to give you a little example, when I was in grade six, I had a teacher. And you weren't allowed gum and gym for some stupid reason. You know, whatever. <laughs> See how I did that there? I already threw it in there. She said, Joel, I want you to spit out your gum. Oh, well, why? I, it's because you, you can't have gum and gym. Okay, so I spit it out and I put it in a new piece. And I went on playing. Joel, I told you, told you to spit out your gum. I did. This is a new piece. And man, I got so much trouble. So I remember I had to go home and I had to write an apology to this teacher. So in my apology letter that I showed my mom before giving it, my, my parents were not happy about this. Dear so-and-so, I apologize. You, you had told me to spit out my gum. And I just want to let you know that I did spit out my gum. This was a brand new piece. So I didn't do anything wrong. That was my apology. Sorry if it, if it hurt you, Joel. <laughs> Mom, I'm going to pass this over. So she read over my note. You can't give this to her. You're going to get even in more trouble. So anyways, back to this Facebook thing. I would write out my entire response, period, and then I would erase it. Why? Because you can't fight ignorance with ignorance. You can't fight hate with hate. And people are trying to cut corners all the time saying these Christians, that's not who we are. Love is transforming. Hate never does anything like that. So as long as I try cutting corners and trying to stick it and trying to jab it, trying to push off my beliefs on this, it won't work. Why? We don't cut corners. That's another way that we can just slide in there and, you know, throw my, my piece of two cents in there. That's not what we do. What do we do? We do go back, can you go back to Micah chapter 6 verse 8? This is what the Lord requires of you. This is what is required. So a lot of times it is now to go the bigger way. You may have to be that bigger man, that bigger lady. And I don't mean that in the sense of, uh, for, you know what I'm saying. We may have to be the bigger people here. So what does that mean? This is what he requires of you to do what is right. Regarding King David, 
the moment he touched Saul's garment, man, his conscience just, this isn't right. Listen, he could have killed him while he was relieving himself. And he could have had the whole kingdom. But there's no telling what would have happened down the line because he took what God had promised him his own way. There's no telling what would have happened to David. But I'm so thankful that we have an example, and the Bible tells it over and over, that David was a man after God's heart. What does that mean to be after God's heart? It doesn't mean that he's chasing his heart. That means David knew what was in the heart of God because he knew him. What stopped David from killing this guy? Think about it. This guy's been chasing him for years. And at this point, Saul didn't die for another five years after this cutting off the garment part. He waited five more years to step into the kingdom. And when he heard Saul had died, he weeped. And he was just, it hurt him so bad. He had a heart not chasing after God. That's not what it is. He knew God. He knew his ways. He knew how good God was. This is why David could be the greatest king that ever lived. And on top of it, now Jesus came after him. He's part of his heritage. Like, look, this is what God is looking for. Not people who can just say, say stuff and put stuff on Facebook and go, you know, all this stuff. He's looking for people that will know his heart. He'll get it. People that don't cut corners and try to cut in and jab certain people. He wants people that know him because when you know him, you start to resemble him. And when people see the Jesus in you, they'll be drawn to him. That's the whole purpose. That's what we're here for. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we'd love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.